Remember we've talked about this a few times that every cartoon and every uh, show on TV, somebody discovers the real meaning of Christmas. And we realize that, uh, I don't know, 99.9% of the time you sit there and go, that's not the real meaning of Christmas at all. So we've been reminding ourselves of what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Um, we didn't gather last week because of the ice. And I know we have a hearty crew around here. So we even had Scott Burke here just in case some of you showed up. Where's the plumbers? I know Dan and Alicia would show up. And they, you know, uh, we, they, they've done that before through a terrible storm. They came down here every one time. And so Scott was here just in case anybody showed up. But, uh, but the week before that, we talked about incarnation and that the true meaning of Christmas is the incarnation. Two weeks ago, what we pointed out was the fact that, like Jeff read, God came. The incarnation is significant because it means that God himself came. And if you were to explain that to Moses, he would have been flabbergasted. It would have been shocking. Remember that Moses asked to see God and could only be hidden in the cleft of a rock and could only face the very back of God for his own protection, for his own safety. So we realize that in one sense, here's the kind of mental picture, because you know I love to kind of work with mental pictures. One time, I think it was, um, I don't remember if it was Bonanza or if it was, was uh, the other one, Ponderosa, but remember little Joe there? Uh, somebody probably remembers actually which show that was on. But um, little Joe, was, he was tasked with taking um, nitroglycerin up over a mountain, a box of nitroglycerin up over a mountain. And there, do you remember that one? There were many very tense moments in that. But why? Because if he made one false move, what would happen? Boom. In a sense, when we talk about how amazing incarnation is, we have lost some sense of the glory of God and the reality that we are not dealing with a safe God. That baby was far more powerful and far more intimidating than we imagined. Well, this week we want to look at the opposite of that. Incarnation is not only that God became man, it's that second part of the phrase, became man. God truly dwelt as a man here. So uh, what I want to do is I want to just have us look um, and, and remind us, here from Matthew. Uh, let me open my notes here. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, I just want to remind us about Jesus' humanity. And I want to just tell us two things. Jesus' humanity makes a big difference for the way that we perceive life. And Jesus' humanity makes a big difference in the way that we live life. So the way that we perceive life in the way that we live life. Let me just read this for you. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for, for reading for the kids. You always do uh, a great job on that. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it just reminds us that now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph 
son of David, and that's that connection to that really famous king, David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, for uh, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, fully human and fully man. Let me just tell you a little bit about what we're looking at when we consider the implications of Jesus' humanity. It affects the way that we live this way. Have you ever really suffered? When, when, when things go well, it's easy to feel connected to other people. It's easy to feel connected to, to life. When life is smooth, it's easy for me to uh, reach out to others. When something really bad happens, and some of you guys know this, when suffering really falls on you, the first reaction tends to be loneliness. Now, they may not have left us. Have you ever experienced that part where you feel like nobody knows what I'm talking about? There's something unique about it. People around you will probably tell you that they feel for you. But that doesn't always help. But have you ever then run into somebody else who's gone through almost the same thing that you've gone through? What's that like? When you find somebody who has walked through the same pain and the same difficulty and the same challenge, maybe it's, maybe it's cancer. I can remember when Tracy got the call, and I remember her being on the phone, and we thought for sure, since it took them so long to get back to us, that the answer would be that she doesn't have cancer. But when she did, when that was the diagnosis, life stopped, and there was a sense that pushed the rest of life kind of to the edge. But I also remember that there were certain people who when, when Tracy talked to them, they had gone through the same thing. And I remember that there was a sense of connectedness. There was a sense of hope. There was a sense that you know what I'm talking about. Not just when I say, boy, chemotherapy is difficult. But when you sit there and go, you know what that's like. There's something unique, isn't there? What if it's not cancer, but for some of you, you've gone through divorce? Some have gone through the loss, maybe, of a child, a miscarriage. There is real suffering. And part of what I want to kind of point out to you is it's one thing to walk through suffering, 
But it's something else entirely amazing to find somebody who understands where you are. Not theoretically, but someone who's been there. The incarnation actually speaks about that. Because if you've been betrayed, or if you've been lonely, or if you haven't had enough money to make it through this week, if you've faced death and loss, what's true about Jesus? Does he understand that in some theoretical college professor kind of way where he can give you notes on the ten ways that you should handle this and the ten things that you shouldn't do? Now, the incarnation means that Jesus actually has experienced it. The incarnation means that Jesus has also been betrayed. The incarnation also means that Jesus himself has been lonely. The incarnation means that Jesus has been destitute. The incarnation means that Jesus has faced death. And we realize that during this Christmas season, some of those painful things that we've gone through kind of rise to the top. And the question is, where will we where will we turn? Now, I can kind of picture people sitting there saying, well, you know what? I've prayed to God, and I have asked Him to change my situation I've been praying. I've been begging. I have wept with tears. What could Jesus know about that? We think back to the garden. What does Jesus know about that? He's been there. When Jesus cried out, Father, may this cup be taken away from me. And yet the Father didn't, did he? Jesus knows the pain. This is the humanity side. This is not the side, the deity, fully deity, fully man. What we need to be careful of is not to think, well, Jesus' deity just so overwhelmed his humanity that that was nothing for him. That was almost just part of the script. Jesus was supposed to say that. Let's be careful about that. The real Adam-like humanity of Jesus desperately knows what it's like to suffer. Somebody might, even this Christmas season at times, family can be um, both a joy and a struggle. And some can feel abandoned. I know some who have walked in and this Christmas they're going to be alone, but it's because in some sense their family has rejected them. If we've been abandoned, what did Jesus say from the cross? My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Christmas reminds us that God has been in all the places that you've been. The darkness that you've seen, he's seen. The darkness that your neighbor is walking through. The difficulty that they're in. But what I want to say to us is that you can trust Him. One of the dangers, biggest dangers we have, is that when we go through these difficulties, whether we understand it or not, 
we tend to say Jesus can't understand us. And what I do is when suffering hits and I feel alone, I assume and I believe that that must be God's heart, that God has abandoned me. But what did Jesus promise? I will never forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. The incarnation, Jesus' humanity, affects the way that we perceive life. And what I want to do is I want to challenge us to say, listen, if you're going through that pain, if you're going through that difficulty, if you're helping somebody else that's going through that difficulty, what do we say? Buck up, get over it. God tells you that you should be happy. Is that, is that the best counseling method? Is that the direction we should go with them? For those of you who've been in suffering, should I come up to them and just quote verses at them? No, I need to bring truth, don't I? I do bring God's word. I do bring verses, but not in kind of a prescriptive band-aid kind of way. What I'm meant to do is to bring truth to your soul where it hurts. And this is for believers and non-believers. That's why what we bring is the gospel. That's why what we bring is good news. Do I bring good news to others? Will you bring good news to others? Well, that's the challenge that I want to have for us. Jesus was made just like us. He was fully human in every way, Hebrews 2, 17 says, because he himself suffered and he was tried and he was tested and he is what? Able to help those who are being tried and tested in Hebrews 2.18. That's good news. It's not about getting someone simply to behave in the proper moral way. It's helping them to see that God in his humanity has come to help. And that's what leads us to the second part, because it not only helps us, the, the, the humanity of Jesus not only helps us to know how we should perceive life, but let's not forget, because we've received that, it actually calls us to lives of absolute service. So real quickly, let me just turn then to Philippians chapter 2 to see sort of the application of this. Philippians chapter 2, passage that many of you, I'm sure, have heard before, so you'll, it'll ring when, you, when we read it, but verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was fully God. He had the right to demand that we serve him. But Jesus came as our loving king. And that's our DNA change, right? We become servants. Because if the king came and gave his life as a servant, one who invested his life in others, one who, who, who paid attention to others. 
our DNA, because we've been adopted into his family, has been changed, hasn't it? So let me ask you, what does that look like to be a servant? We're talking about people in pain, people suffering. We're talking about the difficult things that we go through. Whether it's the greatest pain anyone's ever felt, I didn't hear that descriptor in here. In other words, sometimes we sit there and go, well, I, I literally had a conversation with somebody. Like, you know, it, it's really painful, but, you know, other people have it much worse than me. How is that even helpful as a comment? You, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, there are other people who have it worse than me. But it doesn't mean that the suffering that you're going through doesn't really affect you. It does. So what does it look like to be a servant? How does the humanity of Jesus coming as a servant transform our lives? What would it look like for you to be a servant during a Christmas season right now? Any ideas? Sharing your time. Okay. What, what, are, you, what are you kind of picturing? Well, I mean, what if, what if your family's the ones that always get together, but then there's somebody you see and they are obviously alone? The, the one tendency probably is to say, well, this is for my family. The, the, this is us, man. You've got to have our DNA to be in this house today. And yet sharing our time might be opening up to somebody who's different and bringing them in. So that would, be a, that would be one great way of what it would look like to be a servant. What are some other ideas? What do you picture? Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, is is there a place A that I could go in and be a relief? But even if maybe I'm not qualified or maybe that person wouldn't say, "Hey, would you come in and watch, you know, be with my loved one for an hour or two?" That would be ideal, but there's many who wouldn't be able to tr- trust us to do that. But can I at least be flexible? to understand even just to say, hey, what works best for you in your schedule rather than what works best for me in my schedule? Great. Thank you, Gene. Thank you very much. Any other pictures you can... Yeah, not expecting anything in return when you invest time, money, energy. Any Anything else to go with that? I'm just. Is there a picture you're kind of thinking of or... It's such a human tendency, isn't it, to kind of think, man, I hope the, like, the, the head of the Salvation Army is going to kind of show up at my kettle for a minute here and be like, put me all over the news because, well, you know, it was 31 degrees instead of 32 degrees. And 
Yeah, it's wonderful when there's recognition like that. But if there isn't recognition, can I be just as happy? You know, can I be satisfied? Do I give a gift to somebody so that they owe me? Or do I give a gift in a way that they, you know, that it's free? There's so many places that we can be servants. You know, I think of of our young moms and... uh, there's certainly lots of places to get to to be there. I know, um, yeah, so it's, it's so exciting to get to, to see you guys. And I'm thinking of, of, of exactly that kind of situation. I was also thinking, because I think Josh said, what, the guys were up at what time? Quarter to three this morning. So uh, it can be an absolute newborn, or it can be <laughs> the ones that are up anyway. What's that? Oh, yeah, almost 10. If Caitlin was going to be up at about 3.30 this morning, too. So, I mean, they, it, it doesn't really matter what age, but can I, is there a way I could actually be helpful? I could be a servant. Um, are there others that are around us who are deeply in need? I had a chance to sit with a, a mutual friend, just a God-given kind of appointment the other day on Thursday to sit and talk with a friend. And it was amazing to hear how difficult his circumstances have been for the last year. Amazing. Like, heartbreaking. And then to also hear that in the middle of that, friends who had been friends for 30 years apparently have abandoned because, at least from what he understands, it was too weighty for them as he recovered from a surgery and had no one else to take care of him. And yet, it's also amazing to hear how, you know, it was neat to see a picture of the body of Christ, because I know for, for you guys, you guys are continually investing in his life. But then it was also neat, because we were over at Chutes, and um, Bruce and some of the girls that are there, who work there, they've been uh, really loving on him, and connecting, and serving so that's two of the churches from our area, at least. So here you see the body of Christ. And then he was talking about the lady who works in the Salvation Army. There's a third person. So all of a sudden you see people that are being kind of surrounded by believers, people who love, people who know. And I'm sure that's not the long list. I'm sure that's just the short list. Incarnation calls us not only to know that Jesus knows us, in his humanity, and understands what you're going through. So we shouldn't turn away from him. We should turn towards him. Even when we feel alone, we shouldn't reject him. We have to be careful not to be the person who says, wow, I'm in pain. You can't understand me. Stay away from me. See, nobody loves me. Instead, we should be the person who turns to the one who does know us and cares for us. But then it should also move us to be those that are are, are quick to say, let me rearrange my priorities. Let me rearrange my money. Let me rearrange my time. How can I serve? How are we going to find those real specific opportunities to get to serve? We pray for them, right? Do we, do we just go into our day and into our week saying, Holy Spirit, I'm a little thick. I'm kind of dull. <coughs> Would you just help me see God, is there somebody that I should sit down and have a meal with, check in with? God, is there somebody I should listen to? Do you realize how critical 
listening is today. What a rare, rare thing that is. Everyone wants to talk. Everyone wants to tell you their story. Everyone wants you to hear all about what's going on. But it is a rare skill in my experience, someone who wants to listen. And listening is not usually at the end of the conversation where all of a sudden we say, so how are you doing? And you know we got to leave. Right? Have you asked anyone this week? Have you purposely sat with anybody and just said, how are you doing? Refrained from advice and just acted as someone who could listen to them? Boy, that's ministry right there. That doesn't seem like ministry. I'll tell you what, it's draining. It's draining. Caregiving. But do we ask the Spirit, God, is there someone I can bless financially? So we have these habits instead of programs. Programs aren't bad, but we love habits instead. Because that means we can multiply ministry in this region. So who can I bless? Who should I listen to? Notice it's bless. That's the habits, right? So who can I bless? Who can I listen to? Who can I eat with? Who can I serve? And then how can I Sabbath? How can I rest? How can I just stop? If each one of us just were to to follow the Spirit in those places, the multiplied ministry here is greater than if we had 700 people on a Sunday morning. I'm serious. Some are going to be called to transformation projects, and they're going to have lots of work. Some are going to be called not to kill customers uh, at their job, (laughs) and that's compassion. Uh, you know, but I know where a lot of you guys are and what you do for work and for your friends and the people you minister to. And man, I'm excited about the incredible outreach that happens in this place. Let's just be thankful that God came, fully God and fully man. Heavenly Father, help us, I pray. Help us to, you know, be able to connect with our grandkids today. Uh, even if they're talking about things that we don't understand, like BB-8s that are remote-controlled or, or things that we don't even care about. God, help us to connect with um, people that may be difficult to connect with. Help us to deal with difficult customers when all those uh, products come back on you know, tomorrow. Um, Lord, help us to be able to, to see those that you want us to see. Help us to listen to your Spirit and help us to serve the way that you do. We love you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.